Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. You know, the fall will be here before you know it, and the temperatures will start to drop and get a little bit cooler. So swing on by Leon Tailoring to get you something warm that will not burn a hole in your pocket. Maybe it's a nice little bit of a heavier jacket, or maybe a heavier blouse or skirt, or no matter what it is, maybe a nice sweater. No matter what it is, you can get it at Leon Tailoring. Get it ready-made or custom-made or tailor-made. Just go on in, tell them Abdul sent you, and they'll take care of you, and they'll be happy to do it as well. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware in downtown Indianapolis. Well, Indian lawmakers are back in January, and so we're taking a look at some of the issues they'll have to deal with. And one of those issues is higher education and funding and promoting higher education. And also, uh, is higher education still a good value for your dollars? So join us on the news line is the new commissioner of higher education, Chris Lowry. Chris and I used to work together at Avi Tech. So, Chris, my friend, always good to talk to you. Thank you very much for being with us. Abdul, thank you. It's always good talking with you and look forward to our conversation. All right. Uh, so what, do we, what would you say is the state of higher education going into 2023? Well, I think the state of higher education is one where we're stepping back and looking at what our big goals are, uh, asking ourselves, how can we get where we know our state needs to go? Um, you know, when, when we look at the state of higher education, we know it's critically important to both individual uh, economic and social prosperity and the prosperity of our state. Uh, you know, we have just incredible fundamentals in our state, if you think about it from a business climate of you know, regulatory environment, tax climate, and so forth. And uh, as we hear from, uh, you know, wealth creators, employers all the time, uh, a, a lot of uh, their plans come down to the human capital side of it. So with that in mind, you know, we're stepping back and saying, um, hey, we have set these big goals. For example, the 60% post-secondary attainment goal that the Lumina Foundation helped the state set several years ago, which, you know, the the, the jargon of post-secondary, really training and education beyond high school. And how are we doing against that? How should we be thinking about it? And, you know, we're not there yet. Um, I'm sure you recall, a lot of your listeners would recall that the state had a goal of 60% by 60% of adults with some training and education beyond high school by 2025. We're at about 48%. Uh, we're not going to reach that 60% goal by then. So I think it's incumbent upon us to say, how should we be looking at that? How should we be thinking about that? Um, you know, in the context of a competitive competitive environment, too, that ranks us about 39th out of 52, being the 50 states plus Puerto Rico and uh, Washington, D.C. And we really see three primary levers uh, on which we need to focus. Uh, one is the college going rate. So we've seen a decline of that from uh, youth coming out of high school going on to you know some form of training education beyond high school. Uh, a couple of million Hoosier adults who still don't have something beyond a high school diploma. So the, the going rate, we need to have better focus on that. We need to keep our eye on the completion rates. Indiana has done a uh, an admirable job in the last several years of, of uh, improving completion rates at our uh, uh, colleges and universities, but we've got to keep pushing on that. And then, frankly, a lot of the newer data is starting to tell us that, um, you know, we have a really attractive higher education system in Indiana, but we need to do a better job of retaining graduates uh, once they complete. So that was a lot, but those are you know, really key priorities for us. Uh, what do you think is the, the issue that uh, so many, although high school enrollment is uh, completion is up, uh, college complete college uh, entrance isn't where it needs to be. What, what, do you, what, do you, what do you attribute that to? Or are we still trying to figure that out? Well, you know, I think um, 
there are a few key factors, and um, it's sort of not ironically, I was just rereading a, a study that the Gates Foundation published back in the fall. I was just rereading it this morning because someone had uh, posted it. Um, and I think it underscored what a lot of the other research has been telling us, uh, and that is affordability is a question in the eyes of the consumer, and rightfully so, uh, career relevance and quality. And I think Indiana has uh, has really uniquely positioned itself to respond better, uh, maybe than we have responded. And here's here's why I say that. Uh, and by the way, again, whether it's the Gates Foundation or whether it's Gallup and Strata Education, of course, Strata is located right in Indianapolis, or our own research at the commission, right, we, we see that coming through in the data. Affordability is a question, uh, career relevance and quality. And I think Indiana is better positioned in those ways than sometimes we leverage well enough, if that makes sense. Um, I'll give you an example. In the last decade, um, Indiana's public institutions have done a much better job of holding the line on tuition and fee increases than, you know, most states in the United States. In fact, when you adjust for inflation in the last decade, our our institutions are actually minus four percent uh, on increases in in tuition and fees. So so they've actually gone down when adjusted by inflation. Uh, you know, Abdul, that's the kind of thing we're. It's sort of that that Hoosier humility. We're not getting that word out very well. Um, you know, similarly, from an affordability standpoint, Indiana is number one in the Midwest, fifth in the nation in need-based financial aid. And even just recently, our state budget committee supported uh, recommendations of the administration and our office to um, – uh, shore up our Frank O'Bannon grants, which are directly aimed at low-income and middle-income students. And so, you know, our, our institutions have been holding the line on costs. We have great need-based financial aid. <clears throat> Pardon me. And part of the problem is we're not we're not effectively communicating that the way we need to. And again, we see that in research. And sometimes it's the terminology. Sometimes it's the messenger. Uh, this probably wouldn't surprise anyway. It, it, it probably wouldn't surprise anyone. Government is not the most trusted messenger. <laughs> and right. And so part of what we're doing is really reaching into the community. Um, I've been forming a little group uh, to work with the commission that not only represents government and education, but is also really tied into the private sector with business, uh, philanthropy, which we're, again, really fortunate in Indiana to have such you know great philanthropic supporters, and the community and faith-based uh, side of our society because um, – you know, it's often those community or faith leaders who whose voices uh, are trusted and really resonate with with people they serve. And so we're we're taking some, you know, sort of non traditional approaches to reaching, uh, you know, to reaching students, whether they're seventeen and eighteen year olds or whether they're you know thirty seven and thirty eight year olds. Our guest on the program today is Chris Lowry. Chris is the commissioner uh, for higher education here in the state of Indiana. So we're getting sort of caught up uh, on some of the issues that higher education has to deal with, as well as uh, what lawmakers have to deal with uh, when they come back uh, in January. Uh, Chris, uh, speaking of lawmakers coming back, uh, how is uh, higher ed's financial situation? Uh, remember at, at the revenue forecast here in a couple weeks ago, uh, a lot of folks were asking for money, a little bit more money than the state will be bringing in. Yeah, and, and Abdul, you know, we have tried to take a very um, 
you know, a very methodical, frankly, business a- approach to this. I think, you know, uh, that to a great degree was my background before, you know, entering the education space about eight or nine years ago. I spent, you know, 20 years with a publicly traded company, probably when you and I first met. <laughs> and so we have, we tried to take that business view toward uh, the funding of higher education. And as an example, Indiana uh, currently ranks 42nd in uh, per student funding for higher education support. And you know, we're, we're recognizing that and working with um, you know, the administration, legislators to say, how can we improve upon that? You know, we want to keep the cost back to affordability. We want to keep the cost down for students as much as possible because affordability is, you know, is the number one uh, issue for consumers. So we're trying to look at that. We're also trying to be mindful of uh, you know, the, the programs that we have in place. I mentioned the Franco Bannon scholarship. That's something, or the Franco Bannon grant that's directed toward low and uh, middle income students. That hadn't been adjusted, I think, in 12 or 13 years. And so we went to the state budget committee and said, hey, let's look at that. Uh, let's look at the schedule of those grants, uh, you know, the, the, uh, specific amounts of each one of those, and also the, the degree to which we can reach more uh, middle-income students, and we and we received great support for doing that, and we're just we're just really thankful for that. So, as we're approaching the budget, uh, the legislative uh, budget session coming up, we're trying to to do so with an understanding of where we stand competitively, and again, 42nd in terms of uh, per student state support. Um, also understanding that from a competitive standpoint, which we know is really important to our state from a uh, both an organic and an acquisitive growth, you know, when we think of the work of the Indiana Economic Development Corp, um, you know, also trying to make sure that we recognize and realize that we're still, uh, you know, 39th, 40th out of all of the states in terms of having um, – an adult population with training and education beyond a high school diploma. And also really, I, I think for, for one of the first times making a really um, uh, serious effort to talk with and work with uh, policymakers in, uh, in helping make sure everyone understands the economic and social impact of having education and training beyond high school, right? That it's not, it's not just some esoteric thing where um, people can feel good about themselves, but that, for example, uh, with each um, additional level of education and training beyond a high school diploma, uh, you know, unemployment rate goes down, uh, labor participation rates uh, drive up pretty dramatically, you know, wages, you know, there's a, gosh, I think there's an 85% wage premium between uh, the holder of a high school diploma and someone with a bachelor's degree, you know, that all of those things are really significant. And so we're trying to keep all of those things in context as we work with policymakers to say, okay, where are we today? Uh, where are we competitively? What's this mean for an individual? And then uh, obviously critically important, what's this mean for um, our employer community? Yeah, I, I could share this, something that I thought was really interesting that happened back in the summer, Abdul. I was, I've been speaking to a lot of groups, as you probably know. Uh, I, I've said where two or more are gathered, you know, yeah. if I can, I'd love to talk with them about higher education. And I was at a um, Indy Chamber event and was sharing some of these statistics. And, and one of them that really caught the attention of people 
was on labor participation rates. And I shared uh, at the time that Indiana's labor participation rate was around 63%, I think, but that currently at that time in Indiana, for somebody with less than a high school diploma, that that aggregated population, it was only about 42%. And on the other end of that scale, with a bachelor's degree and higher, it was 73%. I, you know, I don't think anything in, in everything I said that day had caught any more attention from the business community than that, than that fact, right? That there's essentially a 30 percentage point spread in labor participation, uh, you know, between less than a high school diploma and a bachelor's degree and higher. That's so important to the employer community and, you know, and frankly to, uh, you know, the, the economic well-being of whether it's a community, uh, you know, a city or a state that, uh, you know, in, in such a tight labor market time, those are the kind of things we have to be looking at. And I think it's incumbent upon us then to tie those things uh, into the kind of, uh, you know, fiscal request that we're making. Uh, our guest on the program today is Chris Lowry. Chris, the uh, Higher Education Commissioner here in the state of Indiana. Uh, Chris, I know uh, one of the big things that the governor has been big on has been uh, sort of the, the, the job announcements, the investments uh, here uh, in Indiana, uh, whether it's up in Zionsville, just north of here, or, or all over the state of Indiana. But the question has always been, do we have the skilled workforce to, to do these high-tech, high-wage, uh, good-paying jobs? What is higher education's role uh, in making that happen? Yeah, I, I think that's a terrific question, Abdul. And in fact, um, you know, when I spoke with the search committee, gosh, I guess that was back in the winter of last year about this role, it was uh, a primary uh, point of emphasis for me that I believe strongly and, and and I think we're very fortunate the leaders of the Indiana Economic Development Corporation, or IEDC, believe the same, that higher education uh, training and education beyond high school has to be in the room and at the table in all of these conversations, whether we're helping you know a current employer grow organically or whether we're helping the state. Uh, you know, in my view, you know, be acquisitive, you know, bring a new company uh, or a new investor into the state. We've got to be in the room and at the table very early. I, I think, um, you know, years ago, and, and I saw this again when I was in business uh, with publicly traded Hill and Brand, I, I don't think that happened um, with the intentionality that was needed years ago. And, and it's happening today. So, you know, the the leadership team over at the IEDC has had – hello? I'm saying you still there? Yep, yep, I'm still there. Okay, that was weird. You cut off for a second, so – yeah, that was funny. I had there was music on in the background. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what that was. Um, yeah, but I think we've been really fortunate in that the leadership team at the IEDC has asked uh, uh, not only the commission, you know, myself and our staff, to be engaged in these conversations with uh, prospective employers or again those who are, who are just wanting to grow the businesses they already have in Indiana. Uh, having not only the commission involved, but also our uh, institutions of higher education. So I think the role of our higher ed institutions is critically important. And I think also something that um, is really important, and again, I give, I give props to the IEDC on this, is to recognize that it's the full spectrum, right? So that, um, you know, a, a, 
an employer who is focused in the chip industry uh, is going to need not only folks with bachelor's and master's degrees, but also with short-term certificates that allow them to um, you know, work in a high-tech production environment, but also perhaps individuals with, PH- with PhDs, you know, that it's the full spectrum. And you know, part of what's so significant to me about that is that, and I think you and I have talked about this in the past, Abdul, that I, I think, unfortunately, yeah, when we have talked about education and training beyond high school over the over the past few decades, too often times individuals will say, whether it's you know thought leaders, policymakers, somebody will say, well, you know, the pendulum has swung this direction, say short-term certifications, or, hey, the pendulum has swung to four-year degrees and and more. What I'm really starting to see is, um, gosh, almost everyone having the understanding that 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 pendulum can't just swing and stop, that, you know, when we think about these employers who we're helping to grow or helping to bring in the state, we need all of the above. And so I I think the work of uh, higher education, again, spanning from, you know, really short-term certificates that are very specific, uh, you know, short-term training that helps someone have the skills to work in a, uh, you know, a much more high-tech environment to the individuals who, you know, have the master's and, and PhDs. I, I, I just think it's critically important. And we're really starting to see that with the kind of investments that are being made, whether it's, you know, the Lilly investment up in Boone County, uh, or whether it's the Skywater investment, uh, you know, up in Tippecanoe County. And, and, and now if I start naming some, I'll, I'll just leave a lot of them out. But, you know, I know it's in excess of $20 billion that's been committed in investments this year. And I think that speaks really well to the coordinated kind of effort that, is, that the state is putting forth. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.